0: call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And once again, I
4: want to welcome you to Calvary Live. I will be your host for this hour. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley. I'm in Northern Colorado, and I'm ready to take your calls and prayer requests. So you can call that number that you just heard, 303-690-3000. I'll repeat that number throughout the hour. But this is your show. This is an opportunity for you, the listener, to call in and ask questions about uh, maybe questions that have arose from your Bible teaching or Bible uh, reading or a Bible teaching that you heard. Maybe perhaps uh, you have a question about Christian living or current events. What's our worldview as Christians? Give me a call. Let's talk about the Lord. Let's go to the Word of God together. Uh, Let's get some clarity and understanding 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Now's the time to grab one of those open lines. Love to talk to you about Jesus. Talk to you about the Lord, the things that matter to you. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us in this next hour. There is a means for you to be able to text in a question or a prayer request. It's a text line, and that number is 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven again seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. This is Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs. Looking forward to your uh, calls today from Grace FM all along the Front Range in Colorado and Southern Wyoming. You're listening live today, and then for you on the East Coast, Truth FM and Hope FM, uh, you too can call at that number that I just gave. And you can um, ask your questions. It is a week delayed. And because we're a week delayed, I do want to wish all of you uh, on the East Coast because this program today will air next week. Uh, I just want to... Um, Just wish you all a very blessed and happy Thanksgiving, uh, because when it airs, uh, it'll be next week, the week of Thanksgiving. And as Christians, we all have a reason to be thankful. Um, We are to give thanks to the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. And we have salvation, we have forgiveness, uh, we have the Lord in our lives. Uh, Even though we may go through difficulties and go through hard times, and and maybe it's been a difficult year for you, that we have the Lord and we have reason to be thankful. So uh, I want to pray with you. Perhaps you need prayer, uh, just encouragement, uh, a a question that you have that you want answered. We'll do our best to honor the Lord, to look to His Word, and and to bless you in every way. I also want to welcome all the online listeners that you can call anywhere in the country um, at that number, 303-690-3000. And so I'd love to hear from you guys as well and for you to be able to call in. And I would encourage all of you on your your mobile devices to get the Grace FM app and uh, on your computers that... Uh, GraceFM.com, I believe. Go to GraceFM, uh, and you will be able to get on the website and listen live. So it's wonderful. I got a text. I was uh, talking yesterday on the show how somebody texted me last week that uh, from Saudi Arabia they were listening. So that's such a blessing. So, hey, we got open lines, so give me a call. Again, that number is 303-690-3000. Let's go to Clayton in Broomfield. Clayton? Yes, sir. How are you today?
3: I'm good today. How about you, Pastor?
4: I am doing good. Thank you.
3: Good. So I know that when it comes to, like, personal opinion and teaching the Bible, it gets a little sticky, because you can't really use your personal opinion to evaluate what the Bible says. Right. Um, But my question is, when it comes to the believer, which... Do you have an opinion as to what becomes more important in the life of the believer? The fact that we know when we die, the first face we're going to see is Jesus, and then we get to worship God for eternity with Him and with whoever else we are with up there? Or is it the availability of the abundant life that Jesus offers us here? Right.
4: Yeah, that's kind of a that's an interesting question, you know, to me it would be like, you know, do you like uh chocolate ice cream or do you like, you know, uh vanilla ice cream? I like both of them. You know, here's the thing. Um we rejoice in the fact that we have eternal life. And I what I see is a theme in the scriptures that even as Paul writes in Colossians that we're to set our, you know, mind and our heart on the things above, not on the things of this world. Um, we are to be watching and waiting for the return of the Lord. I, I live every day, um, and, and I think that we should, as Christians, be thankful and looking forward to going to heaven. But with that yeah. said, it's also very important that you know the abundant life that you mentioned, living for Him today. That while I'm here, Lord, I have today. Uh, yesterday, I can you know is gone. Tomorrow isn't promised to me, but I do have today and right. um and so anyhow um, i do um, you know think that both are very important living for today being a witness you know with my life living for the lord being a light um, i look forward to eternity and i'm sure you do too clayton and I do. and that just it warms my heart and um, that's one of the reasons we can be thankful every day as a christian and and then also i'm um, I'm thankful that he wants to use me right now, and sometimes I get tired, maybe it depends what day it is, you know <laughs> yeah <I feel> you. <laughs> <laughs> when you know the enemy's attacking, and um you know you're tired we we do get tired, um you know, sure. I long for heaven and i and for me I think Christians should long for heaven and um and I think that as we do. It helps us to live now for for heaven, um, to 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 live for Him, and um, so I don't know if that satisfies your your question. Uh, well, I think it answer. does. It
3: tells me that God gives me both to be grateful for, so that when I'm not so grateful for one, I'm more grateful for the other, and when I'm not. So grateful for the one, then I'm more grateful than the other, or for the other.
4: So yeah, yeah, yeah. that that
3: answers my question. You know, I can I can switch my gratitude back and forth.
4: (laughs) Yeah, and um, and I, you know, it's both right up there, um, you know, and very important. And uh, but you know, for me too, and I, you know, in the honesty of my heart, I look so forward to going home. I can't wait till we're all together, Clayton. I can't wait till yeah, amen i I can meet you face to face um rather yep. than a phone call and and that's really what I really look forward to, but in the meantime hey i, I want to be used of the Lord I want to focus on the Lord and you know uh Clayton sometimes we hear that um that uh saying that people say that you know you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good uh, I don't think you can really be earthly good unless you're heavenly minded and and it's that's not scriptural. <laughs> Yeah, it's not scriptural to say that, because we are told to keep our minds on the things above and not in the things of this world. And I think that when we have eternal perspective, and that's the key, you know, um, then we're going to be used more effectively. We're going to have joy in our hearts, because this world is not where it's at. Um, This world is not our hope. Uh, This world will, you know, bum you out and do you in, and this world's a ripoff. And, and I think that Christians, we need to give that message, you know, that Jesus is our hope, heaven awaits us, we're forgiven, and we have a ministry to give to others. So, yeah, good question, good consideration.
3: All right, Pastor Biggs, you have a good afternoon, and I really appreciate your time. God bless you.
4: You bet, Clayton. Looking forward to meeting you. If I don't meet you before we go to heaven, we'll meet up there.
3: One side or the other, we'll be singing together.
4: <laughs> That's right, brother. Thanks for your call. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, 303-690-3000 is the number to call again, um, that when somebody hangs up, there's an open line. So uh, there's a question that came in, Lou from Denver, uh, about speaking in tongues. Is it for today? Is it relevant? I believe that tongues are for today. And, um, you know, I, I believe in the validity of the gifts. Um, that they are for us today. There are some that, of course, believe that uh, some of what they would call the signs, uh, gifts like tongues, prophecy, uh, and healing and things like that are not for today, but the service signs perhaps uh, are available, but I believe that the, the tongues are for today. And uh, we see it, all that written in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the gifts of the Spirit, tongues mentioned specifically. And then tongues is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 uh, about how, uh, in a corporate meeting, how the tongues are to be used uh, decently and in order when it comes to um, tongues and the interpretation of tongues. So, Lou, I hope that answers your question and uh, hope that helps you out. Let's go to Joel in Cheyenne on line 2. Joel?
5: Yeah, hi.
4: How are you?
5: Good. I got a quick question. Uh, I talking to my son. And I've been really praying for him to come around. And he did, and he sort of stuck me on a question, because he goes, well, when we're raptured up, you know, because you know, we've seen the Left Behind series, you know, and they uh-huh. show your clothes everything right there in the chair. And he goes, well, what does the Bible say? And I go, huh. I'm not sure on that. I never I never thought about, you know, I, I just figure I'm going to heaven. I don't, you know, worry about what my body does because I get a new heavenly body when I get there. Right. So and my question is it, like he was saying, what I mean, are we going to just vanish on earth or are we on our bodies just going to stay here and we leave or how is that actually going to yeah. work?
4: It, the the resurrection is a very interesting question because the resurrection deals with our bodies. Um it's not just speaking about eternal life, it's speaking about eternal life in a new heavenly body, so it isn't that our bodies when when we die right now, um, Paul writes in second Corinthians chapter five after he had been talking about the resurrection uh, once again to the Corinthian believers. Uh, he talks to them in chapter five uh, he says to them, For if we know that our earthly house, this tent is destroyed.' We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And then he goes on, and he says, For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, Joel, but as I get older, my body groans more. And, yeah. you know, it's wearing out. Yeah. And our bodies are. And, and we are in this tent, groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up in life. So he's talking to them once again about the assurance of the resurrection. But then he goes on to say that being confident and uh, rather uh, being pleased, rather, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if I take my last breath today, you know, before the rapture of the church happens, um, then my spirit will go on to be with Jesus immediately. Um, right. to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. And sometimes that's confusing because people will call and they'll say, well, does that mean I'm in soul sleep until the rapture of the Church? You're no. not in soul sleep. Your body sleeps, but not your soul. So you go home to be with the Lord. Um, right. At the rapture of the Church, as Paul writes about the resurrection, the longest chapter in 1 Corinthians, he said that in a moment in twinkling an eye, we all you know, shall be changed. And our bodies will go from that which is corrupt to incorruptible, mortal to immortality. So it isn't that our bodies just disappear here, our, actually our bodies change. Our bodies change, and that's what you know. You can look at, that we get new heavenly bodies. Uh, but it's right. the old body that is changed to a heavenly body. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So that's the resurrection. So we'll get new heavenly bodies, never to be sick again. That will last for all eternity at the rapture of the church. Um, so that's the resurrection. And, uh, so and then uh, our body.
5: So what I guess oh, my question is: So if we have rapture today, are we going to have a bunch of bodies laying around that are you know that have gone to heaven, no. but the bodies are still here? or Are they going to
4: see? You know, that's happen- the thing. I guess that. Yeah, know- that's the thing that's confusing. Our bodies will rise from the grave. Okay, Okay. it isn't that we get, you know, a different, you know, a brand new body in a sense. Our old bodies are changed. That's the key. So it's like it's like a caterpillar coming out of its cocoon, metamorphosis. That's what it's like. It's it's coming out of the grave, and all of a sudden, our bodies, are new take on. Uh, you know, the celestial body. Um, He says that there's celestial bodies, telestial bodies, celestial is heavenly bodies, terrestrial is, you know, um, earthly bodies. So our earthly body is going to be changed to a heavenly body. It's going to be gone. The graves are going to be opened. Perhaps you've heard that term, you know, some of the Uh old hymns, that the graves are open. So that's what's taking place. Are actual bodies, and people say, Well, what about those who died two thousand years ago? Their bodies have decayed, or what about you know those who were burned at the stake or perhaps you know burned in a fire or you um, know were in the sea? The Lord knows every molecule where that body has gone that has decayed in the ground or perhaps you know was burnt. He knows, and, and those molecules will be resurrected and to where we'll have new heavenly bodies. It really blows your mind when you think about it, the resurrection. But that's what the Scripture teaches. And okay. um, that it goes from, a, our bodies from an earthly glory, because he goes on, if you read chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, um, to a a heavenly body. Uh, there's, he says there's the glory of the sun, another of the moon, another glory of the stars, And so he uses these analogies to help us to understand this very incredible thing. Uh, Because, and I think the best example is Jesus. When Jesus resurrected, was his body in the grave? No, no. And because Jesus, his body, you know, was resurrected, we have the promise that our bodies are going to resurrect so the very foundation of our faith is jesus the tomb is empty and and that's what makes christianity unique is there's an empty tomb in jerusalem and so his body rose and um and our bodies will rise again as well Mm -hmm. for new heavenly bodies so hopefully that helps yeah yeah because like i said i
5: never had that question asked before and i was like (laughs) Uh, i knew we got new heavenly bodies but i was like like you, you know, I, I didn't know about how it happened as far as, you know, I know, I think it's Corinthians where they talk about our flesh or bone will not enter in heaven, you know, and I'm like, okay, so that tells me we're not, you know, but I, I, like yeah, I said, correct. I didn't know what happened to our bodies as far as, you know, like I said, I, I didn't know the answer, so I figured i better yep. get the right answer instead of trying to figure it out on my own. Yeah, know?
4: Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection, so just kind of explain to him that Jesus resurrected from the tomb. And right. um, and he's in heaven, and we will resurrect from the grave. So, hey, good question, Joel. It's it's right. something that we you know people get confused about, and um, and you know it's it's a kind of a uh, a topic that um, that isn't talked about a whole lot unless you're going through the scripture. So, good question. Right. Appreciate it.
5: All right. Well, thank you for the answer. I do appreciate that very much.
4: You bet, Joel. Thank, appreciate and, your call. Thank
5: you for your show. I I really love listening to your shows because it's pretty amazing what i've learned just by other people asking questions yeah yeah that's awesome keep Keep up the good work that's for sure
4: yeah thank you appreciate the encouragement keep listening and keep listening you guys up there in wyoming the grace fm is it's such a blessing to have this radio station you guys take care okay 303-690-3000 is the number to call uh as we have some open lines and then also, let me give you that text number again, 720 897 Let's go to Chris in Lakewood. Chris?
3: Hey, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing?
4: I am doing good.
3: Uh, thank you for teaching. I love all the pastors. Uh, just a wealth of knowledge, a great place to come to, to learn. Um, my question is... Uh, on uh, Melchizedek in uh, Genesis mm-hmm. and also in Hebrews um, yes. was that? A, um, let me ask one question first: Was that a Christophany uh, when uh, the King of Salem came bringing uh, bread and wine? And also, was it uh, a foreshadowing of Jesus, the uh, a High Priest forever that was coming to minister? Is uh, uh, giving his body and his blood?
4: Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I I almost want to, you know, th- this is a show where you ask me and uh and I can tell you've done some reading on it because you reference Genesis and you've referenced the book of Hebrews where Jesus, you know, priesthood is talked about, right? That right. that Jesus didn't come from the tribe of of uh from the tribe of um Levi where the priestly tribe came from. He was from the tribe of Judah. So right. You know, his priesthood is a priesthood forever after order in Melchizedek. And and so this is for the sake of those who are listening that it's like, what's Melchizedek? Um, Melchizedek would show up to Abraham, Abram at that time, after Abraham went and rescued his nephew Lot. And I'm going to kind of just read it, um, uh, Chris, here, um, where it says that Melchizedek, king of Salem, which Salem means peace, brought out bread and wine, he was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, "Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God uh, Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hands." And he that is Abram gave him a tithe of all. So I, you know, people say, "Is this a Christophany? Is this an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Test in the Old Testament that came to Abram?" Um, mm-hmm. Or as you go to the Book of Hebrews. Uh, as he talks about it, he talks about uh, the same thing. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, uh, which is peace, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returned uh, from the slaughter of the kings who blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part uh, of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. And then he goes on and says, without father, without mother, without genealogy. What that's saying is, that we don't know his huh. genealogy, having right. neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God remains a priest continually. So I'm going to give you the short answer for me. Okay. <laughs> I I personally believe that this is the Christophany, okay. and I, be, I believe that the bread and wine does speak of communion. There's only one King of Peace. There's only yeah. one King of Righteousness, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus. Yeah. We yeah, and we know that. Uh, Abram gave him uh, a tithe of all. So the writer of Hebrews later on in Hebrews makes the case that because Abram was the father of a nation, that the, you know uh, the tribe of Levi was connected to that, and um, and in a sense, you know, um, the lesser is given to the greater. Uh, to me personally, it's Jesus. Who else would it speak about? Now Here there are have. those who say, "Who else?" You know, there are those who say, "Well, no, it's not." Uh, because he's made like the Son of God, uh, remains a priest continually. So there are those who say, no, it's not Jesus. To me, it speaks of Jesus, it points to Jesus. And then here's the other thing um, that I think that sometimes I don't hear brought up, uh, Chris, is remember that in John chapter 8, that okay. the religious leaders are arguing with, with Jesus about yeah. his, his witness, about his authority and and they were boasting that they were Abraham's descendants. And Jesus says, "I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the works of of Abraham." And what was the works of Abraham? He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Righteousness. The, yeah, in in the in the book of Galatians and also in Romans, Paul makes the case that Abraham was righteous or uh, because he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, not because of circumcision. All so right. it's interesting that they said, we're Abraham's descendants. Jesus says, yes, you are, but if you are his children, and that is children of faith, you will have faith and do the works. Even as Jesus said, as they asked him in John's Gospel, what must we do to do the works of God? He said, believe on him whom he has sent. So Jesus is addressing that and then Jesus said this that Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Remember that? <laughs> yes. If you've read that. And yeah. they're going, what do you mean? Are you saying you saw Abraham you're not but 50 you know years old, <laughs> which is also interesting because it shows us there's no description of Jesus' appearance but maybe he appeared to look older than what he was because at that time he was, you know, just in his early 30s. But anyway, wow. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And I think that's a reference, perhaps, to yeah. Genesis yeah. chapter 14. So, mm-hmm. And then he gives that great statement that before Abraham was, I am. I, it, that I am. declaration yeah. of deity. So that's, that's my thought on it. Uh, again, there are scholars uh, that I read and appreciate that say, no, that wasn't a Christophany, but, um, you know, uh, I think it is. It points to Jesus, and that, what did Jesus tell those religious leaders? You search the scriptures, and in the church, them, you, you think know. you have eternal life. But and these are they, they did that testify. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Amen. what do you think, Chris?
3: I love it. <laughs> I love the Word of God, and you know, and I, I, I love your answer. It just uh, delights me to, you know, I know just uh, gain insight and knowledge from you. So, I appreciate it. Thank you so
4: much. You know, and Chris, I appreciate your call and and your question. And I think it's really important um, that, you know, the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, Jesus, he is superior. He Mm -hmm. ministers, you know, in a superior priesthood, not from the Levitical priesthood, because the Hebrew reader would be reading that saying, wait a minute, what are you calling Jesus a, a priest? He's from the tribe of Levi or the tribe of Judah, not Levi. Right. So he comes from another priesthood, and then that case is made. Uh, but I think it's Jesus. He's our yeah. great high priest. He's our sympathetic high priest. He's our compassionate yeah. high priest. And, um, yeah. and our high priest who became the sacrifice for us. So, hey, appreciate it, yeah. Chris. Hey, thank you so much. God bless your day. You bet. Okay, we are going to go to Jessica in New Jersey. Jessica, Hi. how are you? How are
2: you? Good, how are you?
4: I'm doing well. Good. You're on Calvary Live.
2: <laughs> so um, my question, I have a question and a prayer request. But my question is, um, in Scripture it says that a, con- a broken and contrite a heart God will not despise. But at the same, in the same, at the same time, scripture also says that our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know it? So how do I know if I'm coming to the Lord with a broken and contrite heart? If my heart is desperately wicked all the time?
4: Yeah, Jeremiah he writes that right, and and he writes about how all our hearts are just, you know, deceitfully wicked, Um, and that is contrary to what. Perhaps people say that there's good in all of us. Um, Mm -hmm. The Bible speaks otherwise. Our hearts are desperately wicked. Uh, In our flesh is no good thing, Paul writes, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in the New Testament. And, And Jessica, when I first read that, I thought, really? In my flesh is no good thing? Isn't there something that's good? And the Bible says, no, there isn't. So that's the importance of the gospel of Christ, that we're all guilty, we are all spiritually dead, Ephesians chapter 2, and the gospel of Christ, Paul writes in the book of Romans, the theme, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. So, Jessica, um, I'm going to kind of develop this a little bit, and and then you're going to hear music, and we're going to go to a break, but I want you to stay on the line. And uh, so I can pray with you but, and, and just kind of give you some understanding. But mm-hmm. um, all these things that we read about in the New Testament, there's the natural man, the spiritual man. Um, we need to have a new heart is what we need to have. And that comes by going to the gospel. So, Jessica, you hold on, okay? Mm -hmm. And we're going to go on break for about 90 seconds, and then I'm going to come back to you, okay? okay? Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We're talking with Jessica from New Jersey. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
4: I want to welcome you back to the second half of Calvary Live. It's a beautiful Tuesday afternoon here in Colorado. and I get to sit by a window as I'm broadcasting, and I just notice a big flock of geese uh, just flying by. The sun is setting. We have so much to be thankful for, you know, the Lord. Uh, we have His Word. I'm so thankful to be able to be a part of your life uh, in doing Calvary Live. And uh, so we're going to continue with the show. We were talking with Jessica from New Jersey. Jessica, are you still with me? Yep. So so what we were told is is, you know, that we're dead spiritually. We need new hearts. Jessica, if you're just joining us for the second half, was asking about... Um, that Jeremiah writes that our hearts are desperately wicked, but then um, she's writing about, or we see in the Scripture, talks about having a broken spirit, a, a broken and, and contrite heart. Um, These, oh God, you will not despise, David writes in Psalm 51. So um, first of all, uh, Jessica, it tells us how we need the gospel. Um, and the gospel isn't, I'm a good person, Because that's what Jeremiah is addressing, that our hearts are desperately wicked. When we come to know Jesus Christ, there's a a transformation that happens as we're born again by the Spirit of God. And in that, we still struggle with the flesh. We still struggle with things in our hearts that shouldn't be there. But David, after he sins with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, he says, "...the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You know, Jessica, what's the one thing that the Lord wants more than anything from you? Mm. He, wants, he wants your heart. He wants your heart. So sacrifices in the Old Testament were a big deal. They had the, the you know, burnt sacrifices, the peace offerings. They had all the different sacrifices, sin sacrifice, trespass uh, offerings. But here David is realizing this. That the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, a heart that's humble before the Lord, a heart that's remorsed. These, oh God, you will not despise. And Jeremiah goes on to write about circumcision of the heart, actually, um, in his book, that they would boast because they were cut, you know, marked, were of the covenant people. But he says, hey, you need to circumcise your heart. There needs to be a cutting away of the flesh. When Saul came back um, and he did not do what God told him to do in in the battle against the Amalekites, that you know it is uh, or uh, Saul the king, it was Samuel the prophet that came to him and said that it's better to obey than than the sacrifice. The Lord wants our hearts. And that's what David is writing about. He he writes about creating me a clean heart, O oh God, a renewed and steadfast spirit within me. And that is a heart that humbles you know, itself, a person who says, Lord, I need you. Um, I've sinned against you. David was a man who had a heart after God. And when he sinned with Bathsheba, and Nathan looked at him and said that, you're the man who sinned. You've committed murder and adultery. And you've caused the enemies of God to blaspheme His name. That David repented; he asked for forgiveness. But I know when Nathan said that, that broke his heart, and he was humbled before the Lord. He came, you know, in repentance, and repentance means turning direction. and And he cried out to the to the Lord, and he cries out, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. And um, so. That is the difference. We're all lost. Our hearts are corrupt. But once we come to Jesus, we get new hearts. But he also continues to work in our hearts, dwell in our hearts. Um, He desires to work within us a clean heart. And he desires for us to have a a broken um, and contrite heart. And that's the sacrifice that he wants from us. So I don't know if that helps you out, Jessica, or if that's what you're looking for. Helpful? You know what, just keep growing in the Lord. Keep loving Him, looking to Him, and and He loves you and and He desires for you to give Him your heart, say, Lord, here, and to be honest with Him. Because I think that sometimes when we struggle we what ends up happening is we pull away from the Lord rather than drawing close to the Lord. And the Lord knows our hearts. He knows everything about our hearts. Everything is open and naked before him. But to give him our hearts and say, Lord, I cannot live for you in my own energies and my own efforts. But Lord, I want to grow my love for you. And and that's the key, to love the Lord and to look to him and keep knowing him, Jessica. Keep growing in the love of Christ and keep reading the word. And and crying out to him and he'll begin to do that work in you. Okay. Jessica, you there?
2: Yeah.
4: Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Can I pray can I pray for you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Father, I pray for Jessica, who Lord is wanting to know about having a heart for you. And and I pray that Jessica that she is one that comes to you, cries out to you. And, Father, that she would grow in her love for you. And, Lord, we all go through the struggles and the straining. We go through the difficulties and the temptations. But, Lord, I pray that she, her sacrifice would be a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. And those things, that is something that you will not despise, that you would create in her a clean heart, Lord, and that you would just renew in her a steadfast spirit, and that you would draw her to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Jessica, does that help?
2: Yeah, thank you.
4: Okay, you stay close to the Lord, okay?
2: Okay, thanks.
4: Okay, God bless you.
2: Me too, thanks. 303
4: 690 is the number to call. Let's go to Paul in Denver. Paul.
1: Hello. Yes. Hi, How Pastor. are you? Good. How are
4: I'm, you? I'm. I'm doing good. Doing great.
1: Good. Glad to hear it. I've. I've got. It's a two part question. So the. Originally, when um, there was a war in heaven, and then God sent um, Satan and all his followers down to Earth. Correct. Down to Earth, and then mm-hmm. they, and then they were here during the time that Adam and Eve were here. Correct.
4: Say that again. They so came down they, to earth. They, and... What's that? Yeah, they came down. They were cast out of heaven.
1: They cast out of heaven, and they came down to earth, and they were they were here, subsiding on the earth, and then mm-hmm. Satan tricked um, Eve, and then they right. the whole thing. But they were all here, right?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, it, so it's. Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. So that if. They were all here on on the earth, and then um, when Noah and the earth ended, did they all perish along with everybody with it, or or um, right. it was it only Satan that was left?
4: Yeah, you got to remember that when we talk about Satan and the fallen, you know, angels, that we're talking mm-hmm. about the spiritual realm, and yeah. so all those who are on the earth, uh, they died. Um, they okay. of course were it was a worldwide flood, so Satan and you know here's the thing um that's interesting um and i haven't done a lot of study on it, Paul, but mm-hmm. you, you know some believe that perhaps that war took place between Genesis one one and one two that that's when mm-hmm. that war took place um, we know that it's told to us in Revelation chapter twelve that you know Michael, the archangel, you know, battled with uh, Satan, and uh, you know the host of uh, those fallen angels were cast out of heaven. Is that something that's future, or is that something that's just a reference that already happened? Um, when, when you know, Adam was in the garden, of course, here comes the serpent, right, and he deceives Eve, and and yeah. they sin. We don't know when that battle took place. I think that sometimes people think that you know God created the heavens and the earth. He created creation and He said it is good, and then He created Adam. He said it was really good, and and then Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. And I think sometimes we get the picture of ten minutes later, here comes Satan. We don't know how long Adam walked with with um, God in the cool of the day before he sinned. It could have been years. Could have been decades because mm-hmm. Adam lived to be h- how many hundreds of years old. But right. we do know eventually that Satan would come. What is interesting in the book of Ezekiel that it talks about how he was the perfect cherub, um, Satan was. He was like a worship leader. Mm-hmm. And he was in the garden, is what it says. Yeah. And so I think that perhaps, and this is just a thought, it wouldn't make a you know, um, it's just something that the Bible declares that I think that as we look at that, um, that Satan perhaps was there, the worship leader in the garden. It was so beautiful. Um, you're the anointed cherub in chapter 28 of Ezekiel who covers. I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walk back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from day you were created till iniquity was found in you. It goes on to say Mm. that you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect and beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. So I just wonder, when he saw that Adam was worshiping God and fellowshipping with God, he was like, I want to be worshiped. I want that. And that's when he rebelled. Because when you go to the book of Revelation, the Antichrist, who's going to be directly influenced by Satan, what is he going to do? He's going to go into the temple of God to declare himself as God, to be worshipped yeah. as God. Right. So sometime during that, you know, I think that in the garden, he's like, okay, I'm going to rebel. I want to sit on the throne, like uh, Isaiah 14 says. I want to be ex- exalted. I want to be worshipped as God. And so he did. So, But we're talking about our spiritual realm. Now we can get into... Um, you know, in the book of Genesis, chapter 6, that um, that talks about the Nephims, right? And mm-hmm. the sons of God. And there's some speculation that perhaps that this was, you know, demonic forces that um, were um, there um, in, you know, uh, possessing men, um, Satan trying to pollute the, the uh, gene pool to keep the Messiah from coming again, it's all speculation. You go to the book of Jude. you can read that how they were out of their proper domain um mm. and then those individuals drown in the flood, but then those demonic spirits were released so mm. um that's the fallen angels that are you know the demons that we talk about that are in the scripture so
1: are those also in- the ones that were um that that were here and saying that uh, they thought that the the women were really beautiful when they started, um, yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah, that's
4: it, okay. that's in Genesis 6. It says that the yeah. sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, right. they took wives for themselves, and all whom they chose. And um, so mm-hmm. that's the theory in that. We don't have a real dogmatic answer, because it gets, you know, who are the Nephims? Who are these giants? Right. What was that mm-hmm. all about? And and um, so that's some there's some kind of demonic forces that seem to be going on. Others say no, it's just talking about the you know line of Seth um, and um, that um, you know and then the line of another line of uh, of one of Noah's sons that was in rebellion against God. Uh, I think there was more to it than that, but again, we can't be dogmatic, and it's just kind of an interesting study that um, you can do a little bit of reading on. Because in the book of Jude, which is an interesting story, uh, or a little epistle there right before the book of Revelation, uh, he talks about Michael the archangel who uh, contended with the body of Moses. And then he goes on to say, uh, the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode... He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the Mm -hmm. cities around them having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth in his example. So it seems to be that he connects, Jude does, um, with these these fallen angels with sexual immorality. So that's kind of interesting. So is that related to... Chapter 6 of Genesis, um, you know, kind of an interesting mm. thing. So, Right. Hmm. All right. Well,
1: I appreciate it. Thank you. I just... You I wasn't up there, and the people that I were asking, they were just like, um, that's a little bit difficult. Maybe you should call the pastor and ask him, yeah. so I've been waiting.
4: Uh, yeah. All the, all the yeah. humans died, but, you know, that's the spiritual realm, because Paul says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but Against principalities and principalities. powers of spiritual wickedness and okay. yeah. So, okay, okay. yeah, thanks, Paul. It. Thank you, Pastor. Have a good you day. You bet, absolutely. So, hey, let's go to Sandy in Colorado Springs. Sandy, hey. how are you?
2: I'm good, how are you?
4: I'm good. Thanks for calling Calvary Live.
2: Um, I had a real quick question. Um, you were talking about what happened with. The believers earlier on the radio with somebody, um, the New Testament saints, but um, you know th- about receiving our glorified bodies during right. um, the rapture right So um, what ha- where are the Old Testament saints right now? Are they asleep in the Lord or are they um, with the Lord waiting to receive their glorified bodies also?
4: they're they're waiting for their glorified bodies is what we understand. Now here's a couple things. When Paul writes about the uh, resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, he he says Jesus being the first fruits, okay? So he was the first to resurrect um the you know without dying again. Uh, um you know in you know he would appear in his resurrected body at times he would go through walls. You know they couldn't recognize them, um, but as Paul is writing about the resurrection, he says Jesus is the first fruits, um, and then he goes on. and I'm trying to pull it up here real quick for you. He says those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, and in this life only we have hope in Christ. We're all men, most pitiful. He's talking about if there is no resurrection, we have no hope. But then he goes on and he begins to specifically talk about how uh, he's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep and then that each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are in Christ at his coming. So it tells us that there's going to be an order. And what it indicates to us is in the Old Testament saints, they're with the Lord. Before Jesus died on the cross, it seems to indicate, I'll give you a reference, Luke chapter 16. Are you familiar with that chapter, yeah. the parable? the story of Lazarus and the rich man, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. it seems to indicate to us, and there's a debate whether it's actually a true story Jesus is talking about or a parable. I think it's a story that he's telling us, because in the other parables, Jesus doesn't name names. He actually tells the story of Lazarus, who went to paradise, right? And then mm-hmm. there was the uh, rich man who was in Hades, or... The, the, the compartment of the unrighteous dead. And so when Jesus died on the cross, the, before he ascended, he first descended, he led captivity captive, that is, that chamber of paradise was then emptied. And to be absent from the body is now to be present with the Lord. So at the rapture of the church, we are going to get our heavenly bodies. The Old Testament saints, it seems to indicate, and let me pull it up, in Daniel chapter 12, that at that time Michael shall stand up to the great prince who stands, watch over your sons, your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation. And so even to that time, in that time, your people shall be delivered. And everyone who is found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life." and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So the indication, according to Daniel chapter 12, is after the tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble, that's when the Old Testament saints are going to get their resurrected bodies. So it's kind of an interesting topic, and, and everyone in each in its own order. And then, of course, you have the millennium reign. And then, those who live through the millennium, they're going to have to get new resurrected bodies. So that's why Paul's saying, each in its own order, are going to get new heavenly bodies. Oh,
2: okay, okay. Oh. And then,
4: then that chamber that of the unrighteous dead right. at the end of the millennium reign. You know, uh, the first resurrection includes all believers. Let's lump them all together old testament saints new testament saints tribulation saints you know those who they're going to be people born in the millennium reign and um all believers are in the first resurrection and then john talks about the second resurrection and that is those who are going to be resurrected from that chamber and they will stand before the great white throne judgment and they will be cast into outer darkness because they have rejected the gospel. They have rejected Jesus Christ. You don't want to be a part of the second resurrection. Um, you know, the first resurrection includes all believers, but all in their different orders. So, at the rapture of the church, the church, you know, is going to be resurrected. Then you have the Old Testament saints at the end of the tribulation period, um, and then you have the you know tribulation saints as well, and then um, you are going to have uh, the millennium. Uh, believers be resurrected. So I think I kind of got it right.
2: Okay. I appreciate that. Then, you know, we're going, I'm going through Revelation through, with Warren Rearsby, with a friend, and we were yeah. talking about that. We, she had, A friend of mine had a question regarding the Old Testament saints. And yeah. so um, I guess when we get to near the end of Revelation, then we would be able to look more into the various Resurrections
4: there. Right, 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 right. So it is it is interesting, and it gets a little bit complicated. And if you go to gotquestions. uh, gotquestions.com, that if you, you put in, you know, the Resurrection, it kind of has a paper on it that explains it better than I did.
2: Okay, that sounds good. I'll download it and print it, and then we'll have it.
4: <laughs> yeah, and you, you, very good commentary, Warren Wisby. Um, I love his commentaries. I got his commentary the whole Bible so you guys are in for a good study.
2: yeah, we finished Ezekiel and was amazed and yeah. you know his uh, his revelation is helping me with some i guess misconceptions because I had read somewhere that um because the holy Spirit's taking taken out of the world during the tribulation then um those during that are killed during the um seven years they they're not born again in the spirit but because they're not beheaded they didn't take the mark they are are saved but it, it but then again there's a verse that shows them before the throne of god saying salvation belongs to the lord yep. so
4: there will be tribulation saints As A matter of fact there's going to be from every tribe, tongue, peoples, and nation, there's going to be a great revival that takes place. From the, the ministry, the 144,000 in Revelation chapter mm-hmm. 7, the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11. So people are going to get saved, but it's going to be difficult, and they are going to be persecuted. The Antichrist is going to go after them. So good yeah. question, good study. Keep studying the scriptures. Thank you.
2: All you right, bet, Samantha. Thank
4: you. I mean, yeah, all right, Sandy, thank you for calling. Let's do go to... Let's do go to Samantha in Greeley while we got a few minutes left. Samantha? Hi. How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you?
4: I am good. Thank you for calling me.
2: So, uh, I go to Westridge and um, I have some friends that are Catholic and uh, we got to the subject uh, to where uh, they uh, were taught at their school that um, Catholicism um, is the base in Christianity is a branch. And I kind of got confused, so my question is, which came first, Christianity or Catholicism?
4: <laughs> Let's flip that. When Jesus said to Peter, when Peter, you know, Jesus asked them at Caesarea Philippi that, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And and it was jesus that responded all oh, blessed are you simon bar jonah for flesh and blood is not revealed this but my heaven uh, my father who is in heaven and upon this rock your your name is now going to be called peter um which means little stone and upon this rock i will build my church that is the rock of your confession peter um and that's where the church is built upon the confession Christianity, Christians, there's really only, you know, one definition of Christian, is somebody who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who has the testimony of that you're the Christ, Jesus, the son of the living God, and I come to you for forgiveness, I put my faith and trust in you. So, Christianity, you know, Jesus said I'll build my church upon that. Catholicism came later. Okay, Um, it ended up being a branch of Christianity. Now, uh, sometimes, because I grew up in the Catholic Church, there are those who say, we'll look at uh, history, uh, Catholicism, and say, well, Peter was the first pope. Peter was not the first pope. Um, Um, But there's one church, and that's the thing that you need to remember that there's one church, and that is universal those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Whether that is Catholic, you know, somebody who's a Catholic or somebody who's a Baptist or somebody who's, you know, whoever they are, uh, somebody who goes to Calvary Chapel. There's only one church. So Catholicism is not the foundation. Here's what I want you to always remember, Samantha. Jesus is our foundation, okay? okay. And that's what you can tell him. He is our foundation. He's our cornerstone, you know, um, he stands in the midst of the church, Revelation chapter 1. Um, and so um, and upon that confession that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said, I will build my church. So, And then in the book of Acts, you see where they began to call them um, Christians, I believe, or they called them the way as well. And uh, so mm-hmm. you see that term being used. And Christian means that I believe in Christ, and I'm to be Christ-like. That's what the word literally means. Oh, okay. Can I help, Samantha?
2: Yeah, it really cleared up.
4: Yeah, tell them Jesus, mm-hmm. man. Look to Jesus, believe in Jesus. He's the foundation, and that is what gives us eternal life. Here's the thing, Samantha, that we, you know, we always wanted people to understand. A church isn't going to save you.
2: Right.
4: A church won't save you. A priest won't save you. A pastor won't save you. It is faith in Jesus Christ alone. So this is an opportunity for you to just share the gospel with your friends or wherever it comes up and tell them it's Jesus, that he's the Christ, the son of the living God. And um, and so I want to pray with you, Samantha, that, that you'll be able to do that and they'll listen, okay? Because okay. I know it's hard when you're in okay. school, right? Father, I pray yeah. for Samantha. I thank you that she called. I thank you for... Her question, and Lord, there's one church, one body, and that is those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And it isn't a denomination. It isn't a group. Um, it isn't a church. Um, it's it's you alone that saves, and you that we put our faith and trust in. You are our hope. You're the one that died for our sins, and I thank you for that. I thank you for this season that, uh, Lord, as we remember the incredible sacrifice jesus made for us that lord that we have a joy in our hearts and even as uh, paul would write to the church of thessalonica that we're to be thankful in all things in jesus name amen hey thanks samantha appreciate you calling thanks everybody for calling in have a great evening and we'll see you next time